Fudger moves on in, and he scores! What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Pod Street Bullies. My name is Derek. And I am John. What's going on, everybody? Ah. <sighs> I know I tweeted this out earlier today, but you feel just like a little extra, like maybe happy might be the best word to describe it. I do. I do. I I feel unchar- uncharacteristically optimistic. I was going to say, because typically you're, you know, you want to call it a realist. I'll call it a pessimist. But you're That's that fine. guy for this show. Right. I yeah. pess on everything. You do. You pess on everything. <laughs> But no, I mean, we've got a damn good reason to be excited and happy. The Flyers have locked up the number one overall seed in the actual playoffs. Derek, Man. before we go any further, okay, did you realistically think this was going to happen? Realistically, yes. But I thought it was a long shot. I really thought yeah. it was going to be Tampa or Boston. Because look at those teams. And again, no slight on the Flyers, but you know... I thought they were going to be overmatched, and I am sitting here gladly eating my crow because I would much rather be wrong about something like that than write about it. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the only game we were going to win was Washington. Agreed. That was my, uh, I want to call it a shoe-in, but you know that was my one that I'm like, that's the one we're going to win. And I really worried that the Boston game, we were just going to get smacked around because I just have these bad feelings about, like, first games for anything. But, I mean, we did the smacking around for the most part. I'll be honest. I was more worried about the Tampa game because I know how good Tampa is, and I know how good they've been against the Flyers. They haven't won. The Flyers haven't beaten Tampa since 2017. But yeah, that all changed Saturday night at 8 p.m., Flyers, Tampa, number one seed on the line, and your boys pulled through. Four to one win. Phenomenal game. I mean, on paper, these guys played absolutely just out of their minds. You know, it it helped that Hedman was was injured early on in the game. But nonetheless, with how deep that Tampa Bay team is, yeah, it makes a difference. I'm not going to sit here and say it doesn't, but... You know, next guy up mentality for them as well. They've got some good players. But, you know, again, 4-1, to one, phenomenal game. Your biggest, I guess, what are you taking away from this game that, you know, has you either encouraged, discouraged, moving forward, whatever it may be? Well, I have so much that I want to say about this game. I, I think we've got I'll time. start and, yeah, I, well, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this game. But I think the first thing that I want to start – with is the depth on this team. When you have Nicholas Aubé Kubel scoring your first two goals, you know, that goes to show you how deep this team can be. Now, I have a little bit of a negative that goes with that that I'm going to maybe touch on a little bit later because I want to keep it positive in the beginning. But Look the depth really showed. Yeah, I'm trying, <laughs> man. I'm trying. You know, then you have Faraby stepping up. But you have all of these people who clearly – you know, they're not your your top guys, but they want to make an impact. And I felt like there was so much of that last night with Knack and with Faraby and with our boy Ghost. And I know we'll go deeper into that. But how about you? I mean, what was one big thing for you? One big thing I was a little disappointed in was no goal from Lawton. Because I feel like we've become accustomed to at least one goal per game, if not two. 
you know? But <laughs> I'm kidding. My biggest takeaway from this game was the fact that now I know for certain it's concrete. The Flyers can hang with any team, not just in the Eastern Conference, but I think in the NHL. Western Conference yeah. is a different animal, obviously, but the Flyers are for real. This, If right. people didn't know beforehand, now they do. This is a team to be reckoned with. There's such a methodic way to the to the way they play. Like, if you look at that third period, all right, just watching that third period was cringeworthy because I I literally feel like seven, 17 minutes of it was spent the Flyers in the defensive zone. But if you look a little bit deeper, they didn't, they didn't really give up any quality chances. They kept everything to the outside. They, you know, kind of crowded the middle. Yeah, Carter Hart had to make some saves, but they weren't really any high-quality ones. There so was that one they, from his back, but that was about it, and the only time I was right. legitimately concerned. So, like, yeah, you could pepper on 20 shots, but if none of them have a legitimate chance of getting in, then, you know, I again, I don't want to spend my, the entire period in the defensive zone, but it wasn't as bad as what it looked like at first. Yeah, Tampa Bay had him pinned for a long time, and for long periods of time at a time. Right. But, like you said, those high-quality chances weren't coming for Tampa because the Flyers did a really good job of cutting down on the risk, and they did a phenomenal job just kind of, uh, I don't know how how I want to put this, but just coasting without coasting, I guess. I don't know a better term for it. There's there's something that this team does with um, teams that are better than them maybe more skilled than them where they have this ability to kind of just like stand pat, like hold the line, let them kind of do what they need to do. But we talked about this with Boston too. They kind of just let them do what they need to do, but they don't ever let them get into high quality areas or, you know, they don't take big risks. And then we kind of seize our moment. Like we just, it's like a boxer just waiting there, taking a bunch of shots, but blocking them, blocking them, blocking them. And then something opens up and boom. They seem to dumb the game, dumb the game down to the point where the other team makes one mistake and they pounce on it. And you mentioned it. Mm. I believe it was our last episode. They are playing chess. They're playing a game of chess. Where when one mistake is made by the other team, they pounce. And when they pounce, they make it count. So exactly. that's exactly what you want to see from a team in the Flyers' position right now. Right. Right. I mean, and listen, if you look at all three of these games, you know, you're talking about quality opponents. And none of these games, final score-wise, were close. No. Like, I'll argue that that Tampa game was pretty darn close. I mean, you couldn't turn it off thinking that you had it in the bag until it was over. Oh, yeah. Um, But they handled their own in all three of these games. And Carter Hart, he could be the most dangerous goalie in this playoffs right now because of how calm and collective he seems. I feel like I've said this before when we were talking about going into the playoffs. And I... I'm not necessarily going to sit here and say, I'll die on this hill. But I feel like in Carter Hart's position, ignorance may be bliss. Whereas he isn't used to playoff hockey. He's never played playoff hockey with the Flyers, for that matter. But, you know, yes, there's a heap of pressure on especially a goalie, and a Philadelphia goalie for that matter. But you go into it. And all he has to do is simplify it. Take it one game at a time and just go out there, do his best, 
put his pads on, take it off at the end of the game, and hopefully at the end of the game there's a win. He honestly, like you said, could be the biggest difference maker for the Flyers in these series is coming up. Uh, hopefully series is. Um, right. He was just completely lights out. He had 57 saves on 59 shots for a 966 save percentage uh, in the game against Boston and Tampa combined. Two of the top-seeded teams coming into this round robin. So he played the best right. of the Eastern Conference and put up those numbers. He only gave up two goals in those games. Uh, right. What more do you want? Uh, nothing. <laughs> you know, and it, right? it's so great because it's like for the first time and I think a really long time, the Flyers have this understanding that it's like the goalie's going to do what they're supposed to do, so you don't have to worry about that. The defense is doing what they're supposed to do, so you don't have to worry about that. The offense is doing what they're supposed to do. Like, there aren't any major areas of concern five-on-five where any unit feels like they need to do more to kind of, like, make up for another area's inefficiencies. It's called accountability, and it comes with having a coach like Elaine Vigneault go in there and demand it from these players, whereas a guy like Hackstall just was not that type of coach. Can we talk a little bit about accountability? I think we should. Let's do that. There's a few separate things I kind of want to talk about in this area. The first one is Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier need to start producing offense. Okay. We have the depth, and I think that's fantastic. But if you really want to win the Stanley Cup, your stars have to be the ones that step up. Now, I understand that the past few games, that top line has had to take on really great top lines for other teams. Maybe their attention has to be more defensively focused, but they have to produce points. They have to produce offense. Yeah. You know, and three games isn't a large sample size, but we need to see offense out of those guys. And Voracek, if he ever comes back, I, you know, I... We don't know what's going on with him, nor will we. Yeah, he'll be deemed unfit to play, and that's that. <laughs> uh, right, and then... Oh, no, I mean, do you have something to say about that? Because no, there's no, another guy kind of will lump into there. No, let's go. Dude, JVR, like, I never know when that guy's on the ice. He is uh, so non-existent. Like, I think it took me half the game to realize he wasn't scratched last night. This was his one chance, I think to really make an impression out there. And now all I'm seeing is a guy who's going to be offered up on a silver platter along probably with a first-round pick to Seattle so that they take him in the expansion draft. Right. I mean, I understand, like, his power forward game, you know, puts – he there's certain ways he produces offense, but he's just so stale. I – I get nothing out of his play at all. I don't think the Flyers benefit from him being on the ice, and that's unfortunate. And the thing with him is, too, and really with a lot of guys, especially power forwards, they thrive off of being on good lines with people that will push the pace of play, playmakers, if you will. Right. He's the, the team is not built for that right now. We have our top two lines essentially set. If Voracek is right. back, he's on the top line with Giroud and Couturier. Second line isn't changing anytime soon, and I no. hope it doesn't. Nor should it. it yeah. No, absolutely should not. That should be an untouchable line until proven otherwise. 
with Lawton, uh, TK, and Hayes. But like, you put them on the third line. That's right. Albe Kubel and Grant. If not Albe Kubel, then a guy, you know, maybe Pitlick. Right. That That's not going to cut it. Fourth line's even worse. That's not your line that you're expecting people to put up points. So where does... Does he does he even fit in the roster right now? I don't think he fits in the lineup. Well, and we have so many guys that want to prove something that are really giving it their all and it's actually showing that I'd rather stick them on the third or fourth line because I think we're going to get more out of them. And if he's a healthy scratch, that just adds to the depth of this team. Right. You know, uh, you know he got... I'm sorry. Uh, he was scratched in the Washington game. Yeah. When he comes back, I'm thinking, this is right, you... you you were shown that you're not just going to play. You're going to be held accountable. So I was expecting come out hungry. And he didn't. Dude, I barely noticed he was on the ice. And, and I, kudos to Vino for call, basically calling him out, saying he expects more. So, right. you know, Vino's hitting all the right chords in that regard. JVR just isn't following through. And you know what? So be it, man. I, I, you hate right. to see it, especially a guy you're paying $7 million to every year. But... The fact remains, if you're not going to produce, you don't get a spot in the lineup. Yeah, and that, that's fine by me. I'm not paying the guy. No, nah, neither am I. It's not coming out of my pocket, and nor would it you know, because I can't afford that crap. <laughs> yeah, one thing, man, and I know I, I keep saying one more thing, but I have a lot to say about this game. I don't want the Flyers to get too caught into this whole stretch pass. There were so many times I felt like, they were trying to get that open guy on the breakaway and, and get kind of a one-on-one. And when it clicks, it's great. But we also had like four million icings because of it. Like sometimes the simple play is better. And I feel like it was like an NBA all-star game where we were trying to get the alley-oop. Yeah. Like sometimes let's tone it down. We don't need to try doing that all the time. I don't think it's going to work all the time. And I saw a little bit too much of it, especially towards the end of the game. And it doesn't help matters because it felt like, at least in the Tampa game, that when they would try that stuff, they weren't really establishing much of an offensive presence in exactly. Tampa's zone. Whereas you see right. Tampa, when they established presence in the zone, they were there for an elongated period of time. Right. That's what you want to see because, one, if you're there for long enough, you're going to end up either A, scoring, or B, drawing a penalty and getting a power play. So right. things like that you'd like to see more of in regards to the stretch bashes less of you could say but again four to one flyers beat Tampa so hey I mean we could sit here and nitpick but what's the point exactly flyers are the number one seed that's just phenomenal news overall with these games though looking at some of the performances we touched on Hart and his performance which was stellar Lawton five points in three games four of them being goals is there one guy, I mean, we could say Lawton is the one that stuck out, but is there anybody else that comes to mind that sticks out from these three games? Oh, man, I have like three. <laughs> I, no, I so two of them are kind of the unit. So Sanheim and Myers, mm-hmm. I was really skeptical about them. I've kind of been hard on them all season. But I've been really impressed by what they've been able to do in this round robin. Oh, yeah. I was scared yeah, you know, yesterday. I was scared during the yeah. end of the game when Sanheim went off the ice. Yep. I was, ooh, man, I don't want to relive that. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad he's all right. But they're they're just great two-way defensemen, both of them. They're, 
They're good defensively. They're good offensively. So I was impressed by them. But the other one, Kevin Hayes. Yep. I just, being able to get him, I had no clue what kind of player he was going to turn into on this team. And he, to me, is the leader of this team as far as vocal, but he's also matching it on the ice. The guy is everywhere. Mm-hmm. He plays every situation, you know, and you, you can always see his impact. And I don't want to knock on Claude Giroux, you know, or Couturier because I think they're great players, but he's the noticeable leader right now. He is the most vocal. You said it. And that locker room presence that, you know, everybody wanted to talk about with McDonald and the vets and like guys like Dale Weiss under Hackstall, but this is much different where a guy like Hayes comes in knowing how Vino is, having played under him in New York. Right. He's basically the guy that's saying, listen, this is what he expects. This is what he wants. This is how we're going to do it. So having that kind of as, you know, it's like Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute, like the assistant to the regional manager, you know, he's there to help. Right. But it, it's nice to see him keep it loose too. I, Any sport that I've ever played, that was me. I was the guy that tried to keep things loose just because, one, I'm a goofball. I, right. I rarely take anything seriously. And two, that's just, I feel like I'd do better. I'd literally, I'm playing flag football and I'm, you know, screaming and yelling while I'm trying to throw a pass because some guy's chasing me and I'm just having fun with it. And, right. you know, that's just. That's the way he is. Some people are like that and it works for them. Other people take everything seriously and that's how they do it. It teach their own. Right. But yeah, you're right. Hayes had a phenomenal three games just in accordance with, you know, the player that he is, the position that he is right. in with the team. Special teams. Penalty kill looked pretty good. 9 out of 10. Yep. You know, 90%. That's awesome. Solid. Power play, on the other hand, looked... I don't want to say dreadful, but the numbers definitely say somewhere along the lines of dreadful. (laughs) Yeah. Well, they can't execute. What were they? 0 for... 0 for 11. 10, 11? 11. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not going to cut it. Now, Especially with all... All they, the penalties that are, yeah, you know, eleven penalties in three games. That's you know nothing wonderful. But keep in mind as well, Washington, Tampa, Boston. If I'm not mistaken, all three of them have a top ten power pl- or penalty kill. I could be mistaken mm-hmm. again. I'm not sure about Washington, but I know Tampa and I know Boston have very solid penalty kills. Right. So you I know, mean, well, okay, so be it. But still, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I'm a little concerned about it. But at the same time, like, it was the round robin. And we got out of the round robin with the with the number one seed. Now let's see what they can do in the playoffs with it. And they're playing the last seeded team. So, you know, right. again, we'll touch on that here in a bit as well. But there's some hope. Um, are you worried? I, we're going to revisit the, the um, point you touched on with Giroux and Couturier not producing much. I know you are a little bit concerned, but how concerned really are you that they're not getting the type of production that you want? Even, I mean, well, Hayes had three assists against Washington, which is great. But, you know, Konechny had two against Washington as well. He wasn't invisible, but, you right. know, for the leading scorer of this team, you'd expect maybe a goal here or there. Uh, but mainly guys like Voracek and Giroux and Couturier – are you at all concerned about the fact that they were virtually non-existent on the score sheet? Well, I don't 
I don't know if I want to say like too concerned because I don't want to be overly dramatic, but at the same time, I do want to get a point across where if they don't start producing, if they don't get their heads out of their protect, uh, their respective rectums, we're not going to go as far as everybody wants us to. Mm-hmm. Because if all you have to worry about are, you know, your bottom six lot and, you know, these guys who are playing great, that's eventually going to die off. Yeah. You know, and there's there's been a concern with me for a long time about some of these players not stepping up at big moments. And I need to see it in a big moment for my opinion to be changed. You yeah. know, I, there's so many times where I see Claude Giroux, like yesterday, he took a shot on goal and it was like immediately you saw the look on his face as if he was just ready to have that, ah, almost had it kind of look on his face. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it seems like he gets so used to that where it's like a, ah, oh, darn type moment. And I'm not trying to discredit what this guy does, but at the same time, I think there's been enough of this to be a little weary. We know what Giroux looks like when he's angry. We know what he looks like yep. when he's determined, and that's the Giroux that I want to see. That's the Giroux that, much like me, everybody wants to see, but that's the one right. that we need right now. We need right. a determined, focused, just zoned-in Claude Giroux because right. that's the guy that's going to lead us. And that's the guy, rightfully so, he should lead us as the captain of this team. Right, and Couturier, you know what? Couturier is always going to be great defensively. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about that. But when you're a top-line center, you have to be more than just good on defense. You're right. And he is, but we need to see that now. Like, it, the games matter the most now. We need to see all of that. His defensive game speaks for itself. The play along right. the boards where he poke-checked that past Sorelli straight to Gostaspare, and then Gostaspare straight to Farabee for the one-timer, you couldn't write it up any better. I mean, that was a textbook defensive play to create a scoring chance. Right. Now, we see something like that every game. I, I'd give Couturier a pass for things like that because he plays so well defensively. Giroud, on the right. other hand... Giroud's never been known to be the defensive presence, but he's not bad at it, obviously. Right. He's been known to be our playmaker. He's the guy that's putting up assists. He's the guy that's scoring clutch goals. Like That's what we need in the playoffs right now, and that's what we're not getting from him currently. Well, Derek, I mean, to be fair, though, whoever's on your top line, you need more than just defense. Of course. I, if, all, if all you keep saying is like, Oh, they had a great defensive game. You know, they really shut things down. You're not getting the most out of your top line if that's all you can keep going to. You know, no more these moral guys victories. need to. <laughs> no, more moral victories are going to get you, you know, sent home. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't want to take away from everything that's been great over this round robin but that is just one area where these guys have to step up or i'm going to be calling for someone's head come off season whatever that is november (laughs) yeah you are right though i mean it is nice to at least see that the depth of this team is kind of making up for the lack of offense and with that depth comes an interesting battle for Mm. the you could call it maybe sixth defensive spot because the Tampa Bay game, Gostaspare slotted in. And we've seen yep. this before where he slotted in against Boston before the regular season closed out. 
played pretty well. You know, a couple yep. gaffes here or there. But, you know, for the most part against Tampa, two assists in that, in that game. If it weren't for the Albi Cubell uh, deflection in front, he'd have had a goal instead of an assist. I think it's time we talk about Gostas Bear being in this lineup come game one against Montreal later this week. Yeah, to the team that he always seems to be getting traded to in uh, trade rumors. Yeah, good lord. <laughs> you know, I've been a ghost hater pretty much all season, probably since we started this podcast, honestly. I can confirm. Um, because, you know, he really hasn't showed it. But let me tell you something. The ghost I saw last night was a guy who was finally ready to shut people like me up. He was finally playing like he wanted to just kill it. You know, you could see that he wanted to make sure his coaches noticed he was on the ice, unlike JVR. He was involved in almost every play. He looked hungry, and a hungry ghost is better than Hague. You know, I because Hague is the safe option. But if you can kind of eliminate Ghost's risks, he is – you're going to get more reward through I mean, with him. Here's the thing with Ghost. His game is modeled around offense. When he's not right. producing offensively, he's, you could say, a liability. Yep. Now, if he's going to pitch in two assists a night, no question about it. I want him in the lineup over Hague. The right. thing with Haig is, he is consistently, you could call it mediocre. But right. the fact of the matter is, he's not bad. Like, everybody wants to sit here and poop on him. Yeah. And, you know, okay, to each their own. You know, you stick to your pie graphs and your uh, line charts, pie charts, whatever. I had failed math, whatever. Heat maps. Heat maps. Stick to your heat maps and your shot charts and all that BS I'm here to tell you, he's not that bad. But, yeah, he's really not. But the fact remains, if we have a hungry ghost, the guy that we saw play against Tampa Bay on Saturday night, I'm willing to take that chance. Because, let's be honest, ghost comes out, has two great games against Montreal, and then poops the bed for two games. Guess who's waiting in the wings? Robert Haig. Robert Haig can step in and right. play. He's proved that. Goss Despair has proved it as well. He can step in and plug in when he needs to and actually play pretty well. But if Ghost had the consistency that Haig had, there would be no question in my mind Goss Despair slots into that lineup. Right. I mean, that last defensive pairing with Braun, right? Mm-hmm. If you put Haig there, it's essentially Braun and Braun. Yeah. And... That's not a bad thing. But there's very little upside to that. Like, they're going to go in, they're going to play defense, you know, they're going to take care of their men and all that stuff, but there isn't that extra upside. I keep saying the word upside because I'm having a hard time getting any other word out. There's not that extra zip. uh, Right, you know, so where if you can put ghosts in and know that he's going to be a little bit more disciplined defensively and mm-hmm. having heart in that as opposed to like Morazic or whatever is helpful. Absolutely. You know, there's a little less of a, uh-oh, Ghost just blew his 
blew his assignment. I must have blew his man. Hey now. Um Jesus. <laughs> it blew his assignment. And now Mirazik's in there going, ah you know, heart will probably take care of it. So yeah, I don't know. I think you have to start with Ghost and have it be his job to lose. He's proved it. He's proved that he right. can play. And it was against one of the better teams in the league against Tampa. So why not take that risk at least for the first game, maybe the first two games, depending on how it goes. Um, you know, again, Haig really didn't do anything to lose this job. Gostas no. Bear did everything in his power to win it. And those internal battles are the best type of battles because you right. have two 100%. players driving each other to be better. So I feel like only positives can come of something like this. Yeah, and to be fair, you know, and again, no knock on Haig, but just his skill set limits him. That position was always ghost to lose, and he just kept losing it. Yeah. Now, you know, as leaders of the Bobby Haig hive, it's tough to sit here and talk down on him. But the fact remains, it's not necessarily talking down on Haig. It's basically talking up Gostas Bear because he deserves it at this point. Right. I mean, and to be honest with you, man, I want Haig to be the brawn of next year. Me too. Um, you know, so I there's nothing against him. I just think if you have an opportunity to make that pairing a little bit more dynamic, there we go. That was a word I was looking for, dynamics. And you got, you got to go with Ghost. I agree. You know, he gives you much more of a threat when it comes to offense. You know, the only thing Hay right. really has in his arsenal is those outlet passes that, you know, he's leading, like you were talking about earlier. He can spring a guy on a breakaway. He's got very right. good vision, similar to Manning. I mean, everybody pooped on Manning, but Manning's outlet passes were pretty damn good uh, when they right. were on, at least. But are you, are you allowed to say anything good about Manning, or is that going to make people all upset with you? Well, you know, as a player, <laughs> sorry, as a I'm person, micro, I'm microaggressing. Yeah, as, as a player, I can say good things. As a person, <laughs> he can, you know, kick rocks. Yeah. But whatever, uh, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> One quick thing with Ghost too is if the power play is continuing to have problems, he is a good person to put on the power play to kind of make things better. Were you going to say that? Fantastic point. Fantastic. Mm, I, know. I was talking about this with Chad the other night, one of the writers at PSN with me, and a good friend actually. We talked about how you can't deny how good Provorov's been on the power play this year. He led the entire de- league in accordance with defensemen in goals. But a guy like Niskanen, who might be struggling, he struggled a little bit in the Tampa Bay game. I'm not ready to just say, okay, you're off the power play, but we have a guy right now that could slot right in. And imagine him and Provorov on the same power play unit. And that's, I mean, if you could just put Ghost in on the power play. Yeah, I like like the one defenseman, four forward type of power play. Like the two defenseman thing, you need extra firepower. So you know what? It's old school. Yeah. Now, here's my dilemma with that, and this is kind of a sidebar. I'd almost like to see Sandheim get some power play time, but yep. if if Ghost is going to come in and make some noise, dude, go with it. I'm I'm okay with Sandheim not getting power play time in the playoffs. Right. Well, then when you the idea is let Ghost, you know, resurrect himself in the playoffs, help out this power play boost up his trade value, still send him out in the offseason, buy an out, then Sandheim <laughs> can take over and be on the power play next year. Now, that, that's a good point, but... I know. 
are you why not keep him then and because you have Haig, you have Myers and you have Braun that you need to resign you can because obviously the, let the Braun cap walk. isn't moving but Braun's going and he's the most expensive of those options aside from obviously Gostas but his contract's not expiring I know, but the cap's not moving, and we're going to need a little wiggle room. Listen, just because this guy had one good game, I'm not completely changing my opinion on him. Like, some people are all of a sudden like, Shane Gostaspare's back! No, and nor should like, you. no. Right. Um, and I don't want to talk about trading ghosts until the playoffs are over, but right now, man, hike up that value, baby. Let's go. Good point. That's a fair point. You're right. Uh, but no, I mean... This was such a tough one because I've always been such a, a fanboy when it comes to Hague because I see all these people that hate on him and want to just take a dookie all over what he's right. done for this team. And I hate that. Like, I hated it with Manning as well, Manning as a player. But, you know, it's hard to deny a guy like Goss Despair with the performance that he's had against Tampa Bay. And even if you want to count that Boston game back at the end of the regular season – you can't deny a guy like that a roster spot if he's going to continue to perform at that level. Short leash it, Derek. He has one bad game. I mean, and I think Vigneault should just bring him in and go, listen, the spot is yours to lose. But if you screw up one game, I do not have the time to allow you to resurrect or to redeem yourself. You're going to be, you're going to be replaced. Good you know, point. I... So... Game one against Montreal, he comes out and he keeps screwing up, turning over the puck. See, ya, that, that was your chance. Sorry, I don't have time for this. Yeah. But I think that it, again, has to be his position to lose. There should be some type of extra motivation for him, considering he's going to be playing against the team that apparently is going to be trading for him. So, you know, right. why not boost that trade value? <laughs> exactly. You're right. Yeah. Now... Right now is about the time where I'd probably be cracking open another beer. I mm. already got to my second beer of the night. Um, I'll be quite honest, man. That Liquid Hero beer that they gave to us, I'm all the way through it. I finished every yeah, damn beer. Too. Yep. I, you know, I wanted to save oh, one for every podcast, and we really did, honestly. But at the same rate, man, I could not get enough of that stuff. No, it was good. It was good. Shout out to our people over at Liquid Hero, uh, hooking up us, hooking us up with the beverages. Oh, it's fantastic and, stuff. Uh, yeah, they um, go Liquid Hero. Tell us about it, East of the Susquehanna. Yeah, come on, hit us with the song, John. <laughs> East of the Susquehanna. No, but get through the important stuff, man, because I'm not good at the important stuff. I know you're not, and that's why I do it. But anyways, no, big shout-out to Liquid Hero. Those guys have supplied us with some quality, <laughs> quality beer. They are in downtown York, PA 50, East North Street. You head in from Route 30, whether you know it or not, whatever. It's right there. It's right before you get to the square. Little place, great place. Big flavor with their beers. They've got 8 to 12 ta on tap at all times, including hard seltzers. We've told you about the passion fruit seltzer. We've told you about the black cherry seltzer. There's a lot more than just that. We'll get to those here in the next couple of weeks as well. We had a couple of their IPAs, the locale, the session as well. Great stuff. If you go in there sometime and you have a couple drinks, let them know that we sent you. Exactly. You won't get a free shirt, but 
let them know that we sent the sent you anyway. Yeah, let them know so that they appreciate that. They would always appreciate it, you know. But at, at the same right. rate, big shout out to them. Uh, we appreciate everything they've done for us. And let's see here. If you are in the market right now for a six-pack because you're thirsty, much like us right now, hit your local beer distributor anywhere from Chambersburg all the way out to Philadelphia. John's favorite part right now. Go for it. East of the Susquehanna, I met my girl named Anna. She had hairy legs, but cooked great eggs. East of the Susquehanna. I like the addition to that. Completely just made that up right now. That was my freestyle. That was good. That was that was good. I don't know if I could repeat it. That's the only time I may ever compliment your singing. But anyways, if you don't see Liquid Hero beer in your beer distributor or the term that John likes here, the bottle shop, where you go down the street and get some suds. Ask them about it. See if they can hey get there, it out to Allie, you. Allie, want to go down to the bottle shop and see if we could pick us up some Liquid Hero? <laughs> Hit them up. Let them know. Say, hey, I want this from Liquid Hero. See if you can get it for me. There's always the chance that they might be able to get it into you. Regardless, they've got awesome stuff. So please, if you are looking for beer, check them out. You will not regret it. It is some great stuff. All right. All right, we're moving on, much like the Flyers. Moving on. They're moving on to the actual playoffs now. As the first seed, they take on the last seed. Everything's being reseeded. That's all set in stone. Now Columbus and Toronto are still playing to see who plays Tampa, and wouldn't that be fun if Columbus played them again? Oh, I hope so. I do too. God, I do. But we don't have to worry about that right now. What we have to worry about is... The Montreal Canadiens. The last penguins. Yeah, you dweebs. (laughs) God. And, oh, okay. So let's sidebar for a second here. We can put on our uh, orange blinders and our penguin hater shades. How sweet was it to see the penguins get sent home on Sidney Crosby's birthday? Yeah, I mean, it would have been sweeter if it wasn't the Habs. I hate the Habs. I don't know why, but I hate the Habs. But yeah, that was perfect. And the fact that they put up such a dud of a game. Like, did the Penguins even care about that game? Holy. But did you see they also now have announced a partnership with, um, oh, what's the team that Lafreniere plays for? Is that real? That was from the official account of the junior team that Lafreniere. I would butcher the pronunciation, so I'm not going to go. Lafreniere. Well, not Lafreniere. I'm just saying I would butcher the pronunciation of oh. the team that he plays for. Is that the Ramuski Oceanic? Ramuski. Okay, then yeah, it's Ramuski Oceanic. Yeah, they announced a partnership not for that. something. I don't know French, so I wouldn't know. Um, but how ironic! Look it up, man. How <sighs> ironic. Anyways, before we dive down that rabbit hole, the Montreal Canadiens, the last time these two teams met in the playoffs, it was good news for the Flyers. They won the Eastern Conference Finals that sent them to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010, and it gave us the shift by Mike Richards, which is still to this day one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. Yeah. Previewing this series, it's not going to be some in-depth, you know, let's look at every aspect. But, like, let's talk about it here. Let's just get impressions. Let's get what we're thinking here. Overall, does Montreal present a big 
enough challenge that it's got you sweating a little bit. If this was a five-game series, I'd be a little bit more nervous. I don't think that the Canadians can beat the Flyers, even with Carey Price at his best, four games. I just don't see it. And I think that the Flyers need to execute the same strategy that they did against Vasilevsky. Keep firing shots at that guy. It, when you're in the offensive zone, you get the puck on your stick, fire a shot. There were just times in, on Saturday's game where it was like they were turning around just shooting at Vasilevsky because they know that he's got a great chance of saving almost anything. You might as well just make him work for it. Yeah. And I think that that's the same thing they have to do with Price. Right. Make Price, him work early. We talked about it uh, when we were kind of previewing the playoffs here. We said that this series was I, – I think I was the one that said it, that this series was Carey Price's to lose. Yep. Guess who was right again? Uh, Price stopped all but seven shots in four games. He had a 9.47 save percentage, 1.67 goals against, and a shutout to his credit as well. I would be lying if I said I wasn't a little bit nervous. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic here, man. And I think that we can match their goalie. (laughs) We can match their goalie with our own. I think we can. Their their offensive weapons, to my knowledge, can't match the potential of ours. No. At all. Nobody sticks out on offense for Montreal. Uh, Paul Byron. Shea Weber led them in points in the the last series, you know. Him and Paul Byron were tied with four points, and Weber had two goals while Byron only had one. So, right. you know, you got Kotkaniemi. Druin isn't sure. done much. Uh, you know, is he often, still hurt? Is he? Uh, no, or he is was he playing. playing. He was playing. Yeah. But you're right. Shea Weber, Jeff Petrie had that game winning goal in overtime, the one game. You yep. know, their defensemen, I feel like, are chipping in more than their offensive players, and that's what right. they're paid to do. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think you can get caught up in the Carey Price business overly worrying you. And I think that for the first time in a really long time, for the first time in forever. You've been spending too um, much time with your daughter, haven't you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, let's give ourselves this joy and be confident about the team that we have. We deserve it. We have a good... We have a good hockey team. I mean, if the Montreal Canadiens beat us in in a seven-game series, it's because six of our, you know, typically dress forwards are unfit to play all of a sudden. I, it, it's, I just don't see it, dude. You're right. I, you know, realistically, this is not a team that should scare anyone. Their offense... They were one point away from not even making this thing. Yeah, they had on the year they were thirty-one, forty, and nine. They lost forty-nine games and won thirty-one games. So this team should have never sniffed a playoff spot. Like right. never in any league, right. in any division, whatever. Thirty-one wins in a season when you've got nine less wins than you have regulation losses. Just regulation losses. They should right. have never made the playoffs. And look at them now, though. So it's a totally different story given the playoffs and the circumstances going on right now. But the Flyers are too deep. Their offense is too good. And they're getting offense from yep. guys that you wouldn't naturally expect it from. Their defense right. is tightened up. Their goaltending looks phenomenal. You have to give the edge to the Flyers in 
damn near every category. And even people might say, you know, well, momentum, right? The momentum does play a the big Habs part. Shouldn't, the Habs shouldn't be where they are, but guess what? You want to tell me the Flyers don't have all the momentum in the world after just beating the three best teams in the Eastern Conference? You're right. I mean, we're talking handedly here to here, up, down, you know it. Right. I mean, it's a different kind of momentum, but they're, I mean, they're both flying high. And if they're both flying high, I'm still going to pick the better team, which is the Flyers. Yeah. You're talking about, uh, you know, the schoolyard bully beating up all the other bullies, waiting on the kid that just beat up all the nerds, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, who's going to win that one? <laughs> right. That sounds a little insensitive, yeah. but you get my point. It is. Uh, That's okay. One thing I did want to cancel you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sorry, that. I, I microaggressed again. Oh, you need to calm down over there, John Go. I'm just microaggressing all over the place right now. Listen, Got to pal, clean it up. You, you need to really <laughs> tighten it up over there. But uh, special uh, teams, I, I like to harp on special teams. I'm a dork. Sure. You know, not to the extent that I'm going to ever make a heat map on this bull. Right. Caught myself You mean there. expected goals per 60 and a half? Yeah, what's you that? You don't want to dive into that? <laughs> expected goals. You know, you expect the team to score, right? Right. <laughs> but yeah. special teams I right now. I expect 10 a night. Anyway, special teams. Yeah, special power teams. play is much like the Flyers right now. 0 for, 12, 0 for 13, the Canadians are. Oh. Flyers are 0 for 11. Penalty kill has killed 14 of 17. Now, to my knowledge, I watched a good bit of these games it seemed like Montreal was taking a lot of penalties. And obviously by the numbers, it looks like they were taking a lot of penalties. Whether you want to call that, you know, the NHL's favoritism with the Penguins, or you want to call it, you know, Montreal's just undisciplined. The fact remains, they're going to take a lot of penalties. The Flyers need to capitalize on that. Because this is the team that they're going to get their power play back on track. They're killing at an 82.35% rate right now. Which, not bad, but that's one out of every five, the Flyers are going to end up scoring. Take advantage of it. Draw those penalties. Get some of their guys in the box, mainly Shea Weber, because he's been a terror. The guy's averaging almost 26 minutes a night, and he's a plus five. Wow. You know, And he's like 100. Yeah. The dude, I'm not going to lie, he only has four penalty minutes, but I feel like every time he's on the ice and every time there's a stoppage in play, he's cross-checking somebody, and he gets away with it. Right. Which, good for and him. You know, but... Damn, yeah. dude. He still has like six or seven years on that contract. Yikes. Who could be could have been a flyer. <laughs> could have been a flyer. Yep. <laughs> but no, special teams is where the Flyers will get back on track against Montreal because I think yep. their penalty kill, while it's decent, I think it's right at the level where the Flyers can look at it and say, This is where we can take over and this is where we can really exert ourselves and push our dominance on this team. Right. I think the only thing that always worries me, and it it was less of a worry as the season started to dwindle, was the Flyers always seem to play to their competition, whether it's down or up to their competition. You know, I I really hope that that's not the case here. That's you know, I want like a (laughs) yeah, I want like a four not four five nothing shellacking for game one. Yeah, I want game one to be. A statement. I want the Flyers to yep. come out and punch Montreal in the mouth repeatedly until at the end of the game their coach is on the bench waving a white flag saying we give up. Well, and we have two ex-Habs head coaches on our bench. And the Habs have a couple ex-Flyer skaters 
in Jordan Wheel and Dale Weiss. Now, Nick Cousins was a part of them, but they traded Woo! him to Vegas, which, you know, big difference makers, guys. Big difference makers. But, yeah. <laughs> anyways, uh, no, I expect, you know, again, we try to stay unbiased here, but let's be honest. Expect a Flyers win in this series because yeah. Montreal just does not present much of a challenge, and I really hope I don't end up eating these words because I'll sound like a fool, but Montreal doesn't concern okay. me, but there's no need to overlook them, obviously. Well, it shouldn't overlook anybody. I mean, I Not think Montreal point. has made that very clear. You yeah. know, Chicago has made that very clear. Uh-huh. Uh, don't overlook anybody, but at the same time, I think that this is a a series that will probably go five games. Yeah, I think five and then six maybe being generous. Um yeah. yeah, don't see a sweep, but I definitely don't see this going anywhere close to seven games. So, is it weird, man? Is it weird that I I kind of want the Flyers to lose a game because they're gonna have to lose eventually. I'd rather like them lose against Montreal, kind of get it out of the way until it's we're playing a better competition. Know what it feels you like, know? you know? Yeah, yeah. But so capping things off. First round, anything that yes. surprised you? Aside from we'll uh, talk about like the five twelve upsets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in general, there was a lot that surprised me. You know, um, not I'm, from the Flyers' standpoint, they were a lot more dominant than I was expecting them to be. There was a lot less to worry about than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But holistically you know chicago winning I, I couldn't believe it montreal winning couldn't believe it you know some of these series just went arizona thank god we didn't bet on any of these i think i picked arizona if i'm not mistaken i didn't i'm pretty sure i did no way we're gonna have to revisit these predictions we here. got all we got all those wrong we're like oh ready big upset uh, Carolina's going to lose to the Rangers. That was the big one I feel like both of us went like all in on, saying New York was going to win. Yeah. Dude, wow. they didn't even... Did New York even show up? <laughs> like, they they're were still horrible. They're still on their way to Toronto, from what I've heard. Right. <laughs> the so, bus hasn't parked yet. One more thing I kind of want to rant on quick. It's going to be like 30-second rant, and then we can wrap it up. All right, if that's you're, okay. you're on the clock. Okay. Tomorrow night is the the second part of the lottery. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. It's at 6 o'clock in the evening. It's a weird time. I'm assuming there's going to be no games tomorrow because, to my knowledge, the NHL hasn't put out any times, and I would Im- imagine that they're going to give the teams a little bit more of a, a heads up on this. I believe they start so Tuesday. If, yeah, so if this is the only thing going on, you're telling me you can't do an 8 o'clock start? Yeah, it seems like a bit make weird. it like a half an hour thing. Six o'clock. This this is why the NHL has a hard time like getting over the hump as far as like a you know popular sport mm-hmm. because we go and do things like this. Like this is going to be so controversial. Whoever gets this pick, people are going to want to talk about it. Could we make it at a time where we know everybody's going to be able to watch it? Like, 6 o'clock, give me a freaking break, Batman. you know damn well that was their plan, was to have people talking about this, and that's why nobody got the first round pick the first time around. 
Right. I know. So you're going to have this huge buildup and then you're going to have it while, you know, people are still coming home from work or people are eating dinner. Oh, that's just their plan. They're like, oh, people are going to tune in no matter what. It doesn't matter what time dinner is. It doesn't matter that John or Derek have to put their kids to bed. <laughs> and, Which, then, you know, and oh. if it's going to be at six, it better be a 10 minute show. Just tell me who won and let's move on. Yeah. Get through with the backdoor meeting with Lemieux and let us know that the Penguins won. And then that's that. What's your prediction? Give me give me your actual prediction realistically. I mean, I guess you can't do it completely um, because Toronto and Columbus aren't. But do you have a, a team that you oh, is yeah. going to get it? I've got two teams right now that it's going to be one of them. I, I will stake my life savings on it. It'll be Edmonton or Pittsburgh. I guarantee it. You really think it? My life oh, savings dude. isn't much, so I'm not worried about betting that. But, like, right, dude, you th- and I don't. I'm not a huge, you know, it's all fixed type of guy, but like, think about drafts like this where you have such a high quality prospect you're knowing is going to go right. first. Pittsburgh got a couple of them. Edmonton got a lot of number one picks. Those two guys are in play. McDavid yep. needs a winger. He definitely needs a winger to get Edmonton over the hump because you can't just keep putting him with dry sidle. They both play center, to my knowledge. They need defense, too. That, too. But they've got prospects yeah. in the pipeline for defense. Yeah. Now, Pittsburgh, Malkin and Crosby aren't getting any younger. And they're going to have to right. find somebody to keep the interest for the fans because Lord knows once those superstars are gone, the franchise might be going to Kansas City again, too. But <laughs> but right. regardless, it'll be one of them. And if I had to pick between the two, I don't want to say Pittsburgh because it's the typical Flyers response. But... I've, God, I have such a hard time not picking Pittsburgh because it's just the writing's on the wall. Oh, I'm going Minnesota. I hope it's Minnesota. That's my yeah, team that I, I just, hope it, it is. I mean, I'd like to think this is all just chance and there's really nothing we can do about it, but Minnesota. That's that's my pick. Bettman, pick Minnesota. Prove to me it's not a sham. I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get all the cards, and we'll put Pittsburghs and Edmontons on all of them. <laughs> That's what it feels like sometimes. <laughs> so we'll just have city names. So instead of it'll be the Edmonton Wild, but instead it'll just say Edmonton. <laughs> what the hell? Are you, where are you going with this? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell I, you, we're, I'm going to. Uh, I'll in tell you where I want to go. Yeah, I'll tell you where I want to go. Tell everybody where they can find us. <laughs> Yeah, all right. You can find us on Twitter at PodSTBullies. You can find our lovely podcast on all your different listening receptacles, such as um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Anchor. Anchor, thank you. We really got to start getting on that, man. If you search for us, you're going to end up finding us, I promise. Right. Listen to Anchor too. There's yes. our plug. Um, but also my favorite, who has a, they have a special postseason deal. Ooh. Pod Muncher. Yes, Pod Muncher postseason deal. What you have to do is you have to write an essay that involves you, a hot tub, a German Shepherd, and a, a thing of Twinkies. It has to be original. They're going to select one for the win 
if you win, you get a free year of Pod Muncher. What Pod Muncher is is just your typical podcast with a little bit of extra, some extra sounds, a little bit of so it's totally worth it. Essay Dude, needs I to be an really MLA cool. format as well. Yes. <laughs> Ariel bold. Twelve size twelve. Twelve. Twelve point five. <clears throat> All right. Well. Or, or font 6.9 nice on that note I'm going to wrap things up here folks and uh, you can find me on twitter at podstreetbob you can find John on twitter at John P. Gove because he's lame you can find lame. us on twitter the podstreetboys at podstboys and I'll leave you as I've always left you with a let's go flyers bye now